Welcome to the Campbell Conversations. I'm Grant Reher. My guests today are leaders in the work to tear down and replace the section of I-81 that runs through the city of Syracuse and to redevelop the residential and commercial area in the neighborhoods surrounding its current footprint. Sharon Owens is the deputy mayor of Syracuse and Raquan Pride Green is the executive director of Blueprint 15, a nonprofit created by the Allen Foundation, which is working with the city on the redevelopment. The I-81 project was recently in the news when the group advocating for alternatives to the street level community grid replacement for I-81 won a temporary injunction against work on the project pending a review of the state's process for the assessment of environmental impact. Raquan, Deputy Mayor Owens, uh, welcome back to the program. Thanks for making the time to talk with me. Thank you, Grant, for having us on. So, you know, I want to start with something that we've discussed before, but I think still when I when I talk to people in the community about this project, even people who are generally up to speed about local issues, but not necessarily steeped in all of the topics surrounding I-81, one of the biggest confusions that they obviously have is the relationship between the decision about what to do with I-81 and then this major redevelopment of the neighborhood around the current elevated highway. So um, Deputy Mayor Owens, can you explain that relationship or, or, the, or the difference between them? Yes, um, it is such an important um, uh, designation of all the partners related to um, just that, that, that part, that, that several block part of the city. So there is Blueprint, Blueprint 15. Blueprint Print 15 is a not-for-profit organization. We're a purpose-built model. Our focus is uh, redeveloping and reinvigorating communities. Um, the purpose-built model historically has partnered with housing authorities, hence our partnership with the Syracuse Housing Authority. The tenets of um, the purpose-built model and our mission at Blueprint 15 is looking at holistic needs of not just buildings, but of community. And so it is around um, mixed income housing, um, community health and wellness, um, cradle to college education, and now a new tenant in the purpose-built model, economic revitalization. So we, as what the purpose-built model calls a community quarterback, we are the individuals who are trying to connect all the stakeholders on all of those four components to be able to build the area school and, and, and enhance the ability, which is Dr. King, which is right in the footprint. But the special part about this footprint is we have ITC, Dr. King, and the new STEAM school that is hopefully construction will get underway in 2023. Uh, uh, the housing, the property is owned and occupied owned and operated by the Housing Authority. We are a partner to the Housing Authority who has contracted with McCormick, Baron Salinger. We call them MBS. They are the master developer for the project. And in 81, 81 is completely owned and operated by the New York State DOT. And we're uh, just like any other community stakeholder giving our input um, um, whenever we have the opportunity to the owner of that project, the New York State DOT. So, so the, the, the stuff that's going on with this big redevelopment and all these different pieces, which you just um, laid out, those plans and conversations are happening almost in a sense, regardless of what's going to happen to I-81. Yeah. And then I-81 is going to have an impact on those things, depending on 
what the state ultimately does. Do I have that right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. All right. So we got that straight. That's good. So, so let me talk about um, this, this new lawsuit. And I know uh, Deputy Mayor Owens, there, you, you, there's limits on what you can say because the city is part of that. So Raquan, I will direct this question to you and to, to the best that you can answer it, able to answer it. But there was a, a recent uh, uh, feature piece in the Syracuse Post Standard on this uh, lawsuit to halt the work on replacing I-81 until a new environmental study is done. And um, I was looking at the photos that went along with that piece and and uh, Deputy Mayor Owens, I think you were you were in the photos with with the community activists who were protesting this action that was taken by this group. And Raquan, you were too. So here's my question on this. Raquan, if I'm looking at you guys and I see you in the picture, that to me suggests that there's some kind of connection between, you know, Blueprint 15 and this I-81 question. I mean, that you've got some opinions or stake in it. And so can can you speak to, you know, the, the concerns that you have about this this new effort to to uh, rethink the community grid option or, uh, you know, to to uh, uh, to try to resist it and, and think of other alternatives here? Yeah, so um, Blueprint 15 and, and myself individually prior to joining Blueprint 15 supports the community grid option because the I-81 highway is a, another environmental injustice hazard that's put on our people who live in that neighborhood. When you think of the people who live in the Pioneer Homes and even the surrounding area, but the Pioneer Homes in particular because the neighborhood bisects the Pioneer Homes, you also have the steam plant right there in the Pioneer Homes and then you also have a train track that runs through the Pioneer Homes at McKinney Manor and Central Village. So the I-81 is probably the biggest hazard or is debatable with the steam plant. So we're for um, the removal of that viaduct in a community grid option, but not only just us, people in the neighborhood that we deal with on a day-to-day -day basis, and some of our staff members, our neighborhood navigators, our residents of the Pioneer Homes and McKinney Manor, they themselves individually are against the community grid. That's why you may have saw that that picture might have had Tower speaking at the time, who's a mm. Blueprint 15 neighborhood navigator. Okay, and so one of the things that this lawsuit claims, anyway, if I understand it correctly, is that the environmental damage that will be done to air quality through the community grid is going to be higher than what it would be if the elevated viaduct was reconstructed in some way. Is that just an argument that you folks think is wrong or misinformed? Um, I, I disagree with that argument, um, but like I'm not a scientist or environmental specialist. I just, just disagree in theory and in principle that it, it would be more damaging. If, if bringing it to street level, then I, we wouldn't be able to have any streets with cars anywhere in America if having a, a another Erie Boulevard type of street in our city would be more detrimental than having a highway. I mean, the data is already there for how detrimental that highway has been on our residents as we see all these respiratory um, issues occurring. Um, even growing up there, I, I remember a lot of friends having asthma and I just thought that was just a common thing. I never realized it was just um, concentrated in our neighborhood. I'm sure people all over the city had it, but people in the Pioneer Homes in particular um, had it at a higher level. I see. Okay. You're listening to the Campbell Conversations on WRVO Public Media. I'm Grant Reher, and I'm speaking with City of Syracuse Deputy Mayor Sharon Owens 
and Blueprint 15 Executive Director, Raquan Pride Green. So just one more thing on this lawsuit, and then we'll go on to other things. And, and Deputy Mayor Owens, I don't know if you can comment on this or not. If not, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll ask Raquan this, but I did have one question about it in terms of timing. This I-81 project has been, we've been talking about it, I think 14 years now. Uh, so it's been a long time. So I guess my question to you is, what's another couple months? Hey, go ahead, let the temporary injunction stand. They'll do another environmental study. They're going to come back and say the community grid is okay, is the best option. So why not just, you know, wait it out a couple months? What's the problem here? I can't speak to that because it's been on record from the New York State DOT. And, and they are the project experts. They are the engineers. They are the scientists that have looked at this thing for, as you just said, almost 14 years. And, and the detriment uh, to that right now is um, the effect of waiting two, three, four more months on the cost of the project, okay. $2.2 billion. And so um, uh, an exacerbated cost, um, um, thankfully, uh, Judge Neary allowed them to at least let the, the paper process continue right. so that we can at least um, um, get uh, the, the, the uh, preferred uh, general contractors under contract and, and solidified that cost so that doesn't become elevated. Um, and I think that um, more than anything is the, um, the major thing. And, and quite frankly, um, Grant, if we don't know how long it would take. Pete, you know, the, the argument has been, it'll be, you know, what's another month, what's another two months? Well, um, we've done this for 14 years. So, that's yeah, my I, can, I can certainly understand the community's frustrated. I, I certainly could see that sort of a feeling of enough is enough at this point. Well, let, let's talk more specifically about the Blueprint 15 piece and the redevelopment uh, underneath the highway. And Raquan, uh, uh, let me ask you this in terms of just sort of bringing us up to speed about the stage of the project where we are. Uh, something substantial, I mean, this number that has been attached to this entire redevelopment, I believe is $800 million, which is a lot for the city of Syracuse. So is, is something that big, is that for certain at this point? I mean, what's, what is gonna be for certain? You guys are still in the planning process, but, but we, do we know it's gonna be something that massive? Yeah, so the, um, and when people hear 800 billion, um, they're thinking like Blueprint 15 has $800 billion and. This or 800 million, 800 million, if it were 800, yeah, 800 million. million. I'm sorry, not billion. 800, 800 billion, billion, we'd be talking about the Defense Department. Yeah. But okay, right, okay, all right, gotcha. Um, yeah, 800 million, but it, it's going to be 800 million in totality, but there's also investments from other entities and other things that's happening in our neighborhood. So the transformation plan itself is not 800 billion, but it's, I mean, 800 million, but it's $800 million worth of investment taking place in our um neighborhood like the steam school being built right there the nappy centers kind of in our boundary jam a wireless coming in and the money they invested to build their building so those other type of things has happened salina first um being built the new syracuse community health center being built all those things are in our footprint and those are all encompassing in terms of how much is being invested in our neighborhood on top of the um, transformation of the buildings as well okay i'll also just add that um the, the conversation has been around, you know, why touch it? The, the, the fact of the matter, it is not um, 
any disdain for what is existing there. It is a longstanding public housing, particularly pioneer homes. Um, the, Depart the US Department of Housing and Urban Development have not have stopped investing in the, the traditional funding sources for public housing. They are looking at RAD projects. They are looking at LIHTC projects. They are looking at different um, um, development options for public housing across the entire country. And the time was ticking on the housing authority to begin redeveloping its housing. That's why 10 years ago, Bill Simmons started a master planning development that would incorporate, particularly for this footprint, McKinley Manor, Pioneer Homes, and Central Village, which nobody talks about because it's not really right by the viaduct, but it is the other, the third part of, and where we're looking to start, or where the housing authority as the owner is looking to start, is the development in the McKinley Manor, mainly because it is the most, the least densely occupied section of all of those three housing developments, thereby making it um, more feasible for us to be able to find options for um, renters, um, less renters than Pioneer Homes or Central Village. The other thing for the listeners to understand is that different from the old 15 ward where all those people were displaced, even thinking about what happened on East Fayette Street with Kennedy Square when all those folks were displaced. The difference now is that there are regulations in place that prohibit the housing authority from displacing any of its tenants. And so there is a required mandated one-for-one -one, um, unit replacement and first right of refusal for their existing tenants for anything they do. Well, that's an important thing to bear in mind. You're listening to the Campbell Conversations on WRVO Public Media. I'm Grant Reher and my guests are Blueprint 15's Executive Director, Raquan Pride Green, and Syracuse City Deputy Mayor, Sharon Owens. And we've been discussing the replacement of I-81 and the redevelopment of the surrounding area. So sticking with this question of the redevelopment and Blueprint 15, uh, Raquan, so where, where are you at present on the design components of the project? And, and tell me how you're integrating public input into those uh, uh, decisions. Yeah, so in terms of the design, um, the design is being done by Syracuse Housing Authority and their developer, MBS. Um, Blueprint 15 is here to give input and be the, um, it's like we're like their accountability partner, making sure that they're making these design decisions with the um, residents in mind. Um, we have had a lot of master planning sessions that included residents, um, whether they were on Zoom or in person, or even information residents gave our staff members to take back to SHA about some of the things that they wanted, some of the amenities they wanted. Um, and we can't guarantee that they're gonna get everything we want. We can guarantee that we deliver the message. Mm. Um, some of the things our residents asked for were stainless steel appliances, washer and dryer hookups in their apartments and different things like that. Um, and a lot of decisions are also financial as well. So um, those are also things to consider. Um, as, as it stands right now, um, they're showing, they're starting to talk about the uh, renderings and show more renderings that the residents can give their input on to determine like, is this gonna be the building design? Um, are these the apartment layouts? And they ultimately have the final decision. We just wanna ensure that the residents are involved in the process. Mm. And, and one of the you know, big issues, and, and we've, we've talked about this before on this program, and we've also talked about it uh, in, other, in other venues, 
uh, for this project, of course, is the potential displacement of those who currently live in the area. Deputy Mayor Owens, you spoke to this, I think, before the break, but specifically those who are living in the public housing projects now. And I have had also Lanessa Owens Chaplin uh, from the New York uh, American Civil Liberties Union on the program a couple times in the past, and she's talked about uh, those concerns surrounding this issue. And the, I think one of the things that drives the worries is that other projects elsewhere in the country, recognizing, however, Deputy Mayor, as you pointed out, you know, there are specific regulations here that apply in Syracuse. But anyway, other projects elsewhere in the country that do have aspects similar to what's being proposed in Syracuse have had this problem. They've, they've, you know, it's it's been an issue. It's been a concern, and and so uh, and you have acknowledged uh, the legitimacy of of this concern. So where are we on this now? Um, what have the two of you been doing recently to address these concerns, Deputy Mayor? Maybe you want to take the lead on this one, but uh, tell us a little bit about this issue. Sure. Um, part of the other angst that people feel is when we talk about mixed income. Um, when we talk about mixed income communities, um, there a, a wide variety of, of them exist in the city of Syracuse now. When you think of the Meadowbrook area or the Strathmore area or um, the Valley area, mixed mm. um, mixed income. When we think about that here, people people ask the question, "Well, how are you going to do that and not displace people?" Well, part of it is McKinley Manor right now um, is not very dense. We're going to increase that density. So we're adding units to that footprint and thereby providing. The one thing that people don't understand in grasp um, is that there are many people uh, who live in that footprint now who are not considered low income. The, the income rate of your Syracuse Housing Authority rental unit is dependent on your income. And so as your income raises, because many people have gotten a job at the hospital or central or something, your income raise, this is home. So they don't want to move. So they stay in the housing authority footprint, but they pay a higher rent. Mm. We are we are looking at the, the while we're adding some um, market rate, rather considered market rate, and we have to do a market study in this footprint to know what that area of town will sustain as market rate. Many of the individuals living there right now will be eligible and still stay in there and but be able to stay there as a market rate renter because that's what they're paying now for where they're living now. I see. Plus attracting um, new people into the community um, as well. Uh, I don't think that is a bad thing. Um, many people, you know, this is home for many people and people are, you know, are looking at this area, are concerned about um, uh, the university and the hospital. That land that the community grid, hopefully we get past the, the current state and we get going on the project, the land that is going to be freed up by the community, the community grid, because under that highway is all that parking, that is still going to be owned by New York State. Okay. What we are, have proposed from the city, from Blueprint 15, in agreement with the ACLU, is to create a community land trust. Mm. That the state convey that that land over to the city or a not-for-profit entity that will control the destiny of that land, and so then that is where much of that gentrification 
um, conversation is really being centered around the conversation around mixed income and the free land that people are concerned that the hospital and the university is going to just take control of. We are strong advocates to be, that that land be conveyed over to the city or a, or a separate not-for-profit to manage that land. And the ability to bring in market rate units in the current footprint is because we're going to increase the density. The, the, the key to us is the balance of that increased density. So it's just not um, inundated with a bunch of uh, new tall buildings. The other thing we're working on, Blueprint is part of this, is green space. The, um, the uh, uh, school district is going to um, create a new stadium over there for the ITC. Those poor kids have never had a football field, never have a stadium. The school district is going to do that. And we are going to create a linear park reconnecting Monroe Street, which is not there anymore. When McKinley Manor was built, that street was taken away. We're going to reestablish it. We want to get rid of all those huge super blocks that, mm -hmm. that have destroyed connectivity in that neighborhood. If you just joined us, you're listening to the Campbell Conversations on WRVO Public Media, and my guests are Sharon Owens and Raquan Pride Green. So I want to leave a bit of time for this topic. It's going to be, I think, the elephant in the room probably for, from here on in on these conversations, and that's Micron, the Micron investment. Um, up until the Micron announcement, the redevelopment that we've been talking about was going to be the project with the greatest impact in the area. Now, uh, and they were called once once in a generation opportunities. Uh, Micron, however, is much bigger than this. And obviously that news raises the question of what's gonna be the impact on the redevelopment of this area that we've been talking about. And in particular, I would think it's gonna generate more worries about the kinds of things, Deputy Mayor, that you were just talking about, gentrification, mixed income. You're bringing in a lot of people who supposedly are going to make more than $100,000 a year. And a lot of those folks are going to want to live in the city. So what's that going to do to this? So uh, I imagine, Raquan, you guys have been talking about this. Uh, you got a big smile on your face when I started to mention the topic. So tell me how those conversations have been going. Um, there's so many different conversations happening uh, simultaneously. Um, I started smiling because I as I think of Micron coming into Syracuse, that does mean we can't have people who wants to live in the city of Syracuse um, that have that high level of income that would want to live in our neighborhood because we're so close to downtown. But why do all the employees have to come from out of Syracuse? Why can't any of them come from our footprint? Um, they're already doing things like chip camps. To me, chip camp is establishing a pipeline of a workforce for them. Who's to say they can't come from our footprint? Uh, we have a lot of people who are um, performing well in school or performing well in the community that just choose to live there, as Sharon mentioned before. So I, I see it as an opportunity for people from other places that's going to want to relocate here or have to relocate here to keep their job, um, to work for Micron, but also people who live in our neighborhood already, who are those early 20-something-year-olds or teenagers that have an interest in working for a company like Micron. So I, I see opportunity. I don't see um, displacement. And it's important to remember that it's not a utopia for everybody who currently lives there. Um, there are some people who would like to uh, relocate, whether they agree with the project or just want to live somewhere else. It's cold right now. So that's the reason for a lot of people to want to leave. Um, the Micron will have an impact on our Children Rising Center as well, because you will have um, our Children Rising Center 
I have to mention this before we get off. Um, <laughs> it has three components. It has the early learning component that Sharon mentioned as one of our pillars in Purpose Built. Uh, we have a children's play space that um, has age-appropriate interaction and play between parent and child and child-to-child play um, in a YMCA. Um, but the early learning center is not daycare. It's actually early learning for your kid um, as soon as they're able to leave the house up until they go to preschool. And that's that investment we're making in our neighborhood from Blueprint 15 specifically. Um, but that helps improve STEAM at Dr. King. Um, it helps establish a pipeline from our neighborhood into the STEAM school and um, more kids getting into ITC because everybody who wants to move into a neighborhood will always look at what kind of school or school system is there. So it's really important that we do note that that Children's Rising Center um, will be present right in the neighborhood for our residents and our greater community. Okay. And I've, we've only got about a couple of minutes left. So um, Deputy Mayor Owens, if you want to get on this quickly, I did want to squeeze in one more quick question. So um, if you could just say a few things and then I'll get on to my last point. Uh, yeah, as Raekwon said, we talked about brick and mortar and the majority of it is going to be the housing authority as the owner uh, owner and manager of uh, the, the units in the footprint. The signature building project for Blueprint for 15 will be the Children Rising Center. Mm -hmm. um, we estimate it as about a $20 million project. Um, it is it is going to be a, a showpiece for that neighborhood um, as we continue to build upon uh, what's there, the history there, the culture there, and the need for um, uh, 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 crib to college education. So my last question is kind of a more personal one, and I'll just preface it by saying I've, you know, I've been part of a group called City Scripts, which is tries to raise discussion about some of the issues regarding this project that we've been talking about, rates of return, gentrification, architectural design. And I hope that we haven't been too much of a thorn in your side uh, when we've been active. But, but I can see sometimes that your work on this project might fall into the category of no good deed goes unpunished. Uh, and so I just wanted to uh, ask you, we only have a minute left, but Raquan, you know, how have you personally experienced this project so far? Is it, is it, you know, is it something that makes you hopeful every day or is it like, oh my God, we're getting attacked for this all the time? <laughs> well, we're definitely getting attacked um, a lot. Uh, it slowed down a little bit, but when the weather breaks, I'm sure more people will be outside with more to say. But this project is personal to me. My um, grandparents on my mother and father's side raised their families in the Pioneer Home in Central Village. So I am a son of the Pioneer Home. So to see this project happen for the people that I grew up amongst um, to have this opportunity because it's not just about housing, it's pathways to prosperity for all who wants to partake in it. So I'll take on all those shots because it's like, you will see. And I understand the cynicism anyway. Okay. Brent, 10, ten yeah. seconds, yeah. change is scary. Yeah. So this footprint is experiencing housing change, infrastructure change, economic change, all at the same time. Yeah, no, so I think a lot those... to take in. Those are, those are both fair points. And Raquan, I really appreciate what you said about, you know, your upbringing and your family. I think that's important. That was Raquan Pride Green and Sharon Owens. Again, Deputy Mayor Owens. Raquan, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Campbell Conversations on WRVO Public Media, conversations in the public interest. The Campbell Conversations, Conversations in the Public Interest, is hosted and produced by Grant Reher, engineered by Tom Fazio. Assistant producer is Jacqueline Witwicky, and the program is edited by Mark LeFonier. 
The Campbell Conversations is a joint production of the Campbell Public Affairs Institute at Syracuse University and WRBO Public Media. To learn more about the program and hear previous interviews, visit wrbo.org slash Campbell Conversations.